Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. If you want to go ahead and take out your bulletin this morning, on the inside you're going to find an outline. I'll help you follow along. I'm going to pray in just a minute. Hold on, keep that going. Keep those blessed fingers blessing us. Um, starting next Sunday, uh, actually, let me backtrack a little bit. How many of you were really inspired and challenged and changed by the past three Sundays that we learned about the fear of the Lord? I know that in sharing it and teaching it with you, my life has been inspired and challenged and there's been changes taking place in my own soul as I've taken a deeper dive into the fear of the Lord. And I'm really excited about what that's going to produce in our church. Um, starting next Sunday, I'm going to start something that's going to take us pretty much through the whole summer called Heart for the House. Everybody say, Heart for the House. What we want to do over the summer months is really just as a pastor and as a pastoral team, we want to share with you, Encounter Church, this is our house, and what is the heart of this house, and what is our heart for this house, and what is this house's heart for our city, and for our nation, and for the world, and we're just going to take the whole summer, uh, and really, you know how quick that goes, it's just five or six weeks, and we're going to just examine what is our heart, what is really God's heart, but what is the heart He's given us for this house, and the heart of this house for our city. But before I get into that next Sunday, I want to start this Sunday by something that is my heart for this family. And um, one of the things that's in my heart as, as the leader is to raise up spiritual sons and daughters who can be even better, more anointed, more talented preachers and leaders and people in ministry than, than us. And today you're going to hear the word from one of those spiritual sons that's been with us since he was, I think, 15 or 16 years old, since he was a teenager. So Lord, we receive your word today. We thank you that we're going to be challenged. We're going to be inspired. We're going to be changed by your word. Our lives will never be the same because of the word we're going to receive today. We receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody welcome Caleb. got my water. <laughs> well, thank you guys. Thank you. I'm really excited to get to share um, something that God's been, man, he's just been ministering to me. And if I start to cry, I was not planning on it. All right. So don't hold it against me. I'm going to do my best to fight back the tears. I can get emotional sometimes. But um, before I, I get into this message, you know, we don't do this all the time, but you guys, don't we have amazing pastors? I mean, we, we really have just a wonderful pastoral team, and we were at a conference this past week as leaders for the church in, in Bethany in uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and just getting inspired, getting a fresh uh, view on ministry, and just fresh revelation and outlook and everything, and you know, it blows my mind every time when I go to Bethany, and some of the things that they're sharing, like, it's so crazy, because it's like, oh, raising up spiritual sons, there's a whole session on doing that, and Pastor Hunter's been doing that for 
you know, 15 to 20 years. And so I'm, I just, it just hit me on that trip how blessed and how amazing it is that we get to be in a ministry that is already doing some of these kingdom things. Like we have pastors that have the right heart. They have a good heart. And I just want to honor you guys. I am so honored to be in your ministry, to serve the vision of this house. Yeah, let's give them a hand. We are just so amazingly blessed by each one of you, Pastor Hunter and Pastor Liz, Pastor Julian and Pastor Deanna. You guys are incredible. Thank you for pouring your life into us so faithfully and with such excellence. I mean, they put up with me when I was like 16, so you know they need some patience, Jesus. <laughs> so if you're looking at your bulletin and the outline in there, there's some simple thoughts, some you know phrases that we're going to go over. I hope they bless you. I hope it encourages you. But you can see the title of the message, and the title of today's message is Go to the Source. How about you turn to your neighbor and, and tell him, go to the source. Yeah. And like I said, this is something that the Holy Spirit has been ministering to me for about a month to two months now. Um, it's something that God's really just been, been pounding away into my heart. And, um, you know, it was, it was a Friday night prayer that we were doing a late night prayer meeting just about a month, a month and a half ago. And for all of you that go to Friday night prayer, my homies out there, more power to you. And if you haven't been, you should go. It's incredible. It's incredible when people get together just desperate for God. And how he moves. But we were, you know, we were in a Friday night prayer and I was just praying in the spirit. We were interceding and seeking after the presence of God. And then, um, you know, Pastor Hunter had talked to me a few weeks before to have a message prepared. And quite honestly, it's usually like two, maybe two and a half weeks ahead of time that I'm like, oh, I need to write this. Um, But it was like a month and a half ahead. And I was praying in the spirit and quite literally just the whole message downloaded into my spirit in a moment. You know, I was just praying, and it, like, the, the illustrations, every scripture, the, the notes, it just, like, downloaded into my mind. You know, I furiously pulled out my notes app, and I'm trying to type all of this in before I forget, because he just gave, he gave this whole message. But the crazy thing was the first, like, that message wasn't just for me to share, but it was for me first. That message was, was like, I read it yesterday in, in Ezekiel. You know, the Lord tells Ezekiel, eat this book of instruction, eat these words, eat it, and let it minister to you first before you share it with the people of Israel. And it was the same thing with me. It was like God was telling me, Caleb, you need to go to the source first. Before you ever speak a word of this to anybody, you, you need to change. You need to repent. You need to go back to what really matters. And But after... Like after I wrote it down and he was just ministering this to me, I felt like the Lord was also saying that this is for us as a, as a church, as a church family. And so I pray today, Lord, that this word would penetrate every heart, God. Let this word, Lord, bear much fruit. Like you've done it in me, God, do it in this church, Jesus. Take us back to the source, Lord. Take us back into your presence, into the anointing. Take us back from all the confusing things and take us back to what really matters, Jesus. How about you say this in your own words? I open my heart. I receive your word. Let it change me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And um, how many of you know what a stockbroker is? Raise your hand if you know what a stockbroker is. Okay, okay. You know, you actually know more than I did until I hit my finance course in grad school. So you're doing very well. I, I, quite honestly, I had zero idea how the stock market actually worked. 
But as the Holy Spirit just gave me this download, I don't know why he chose to speak to me through this example, but he did. And I'm like, okay, God, you know I'm not that smart, so, you know, help me here. But you follow line in your outline. The definition for a stockbroker, here it is, a stockbroker, is a broker who buys and sells securities on a stock exchange on behalf of clients. Now, don't worry, you did not wander into a finance course today. <laughs> yeah, come on, come on, give him praise, hallelujah. So a broker who buys and sells securities on a stock exchange on behalf of clients. So simply put, because I need it simply for me to understand, a stockbroker, let's call him Broker Bob, Bob the Broker. So Bob the Broker works for a brokerage firm, and John the client says, Bob the Broker, I have $100,000 I want you to invest in the stock market. I want you to buy stocks, sell stocks, you know, a mismatch and diversified portfolio, do all of that stuff, but I want you to make me money. I want my 100000 to increase. I want it to grow. And so Bob the broker's job is to use that money wisely and, and shrewdly and, you know, hopefully ethically to, to make a profit back. And, you know, Bob the broker gets a cut of that profit, right? And, and that's how a, a stock brokerage firm works, very simply put. And uh, it was interesting, though, as the Holy Spirit was telling me this, I'm like, well, God, what the heck? Like, why, why a stockbroker? What does that matter? But there's an amazing parallel between a stockbroker and us as disciples in the kingdom of God. And follow me on this one. A, a stockbroker's authority, their power is 100% contingent on, the, on their client's money. Does that make sense? Like a stockbroker, broker Bob would not be able to buy any stock in the stock market if John the client didn't give him $100,000. So his authority, his, his power, it all originates from his client's money. And this parallels us as disciples of believers of Jesus in the kingdom because we are not the source of power. We are not the source of life. We are not the, the authority. All the authority that we draw is from the Holy Spirit, right? And so, like you felt in your outline, it says this, the amount of the Holy Spirit that we receive determines how much we can give. There is an endless amount of the Holy Spirit if we are willing to seek him. There is an endless amount of the Holy Spirit if we are willing to seek Him. And how many times, though, do we, do we try to pour out what we haven't received? I know I have. We'll get to that in a bit. Help me, Jesus. But we can, we can get a picture of, of the promise. So Jesus gave us a promise, and we'll read it in John 7. And it's a promise that I... You know, as I was coming out about a month ago in, uh, into the season of the, that the Lord was speaking this word to me, you know, this promise was not a reality in my life. But we'll pick it up in John 7 and verse 37. But to preface this story, you know, Jesus uh, had gone to a festival in Jerusalem, and I think it was the festival of Passover, and he was there. And we pick up in verse 37, and it says, On the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. And we won't read verse 39, we'll stick on 38. Um, anyone who believes in me may come and drink. And I thought this was interesting. It says for rivers of living water will flow from his heart. You know, in the next verse says that the living water means the spirit. But the spirit hadn't been poured out yet, you know, because Jesus hadn't died on the cross and ascended into his glory. But when I looked at the living water, it was like, okay, that's the spirit. But why living water? You know, my, my thought, my original thought was always like, well, it's living water because it's, you know, it's a river. 
and a, a river, you know, it, like it comes from the mountain, the, the ice melts, and, you know, it trickles down. It's living. It's bubbling. It's, it's not stagnant like Lake Alatuna. Lord help us. But it's, it's living water, and, and it moves. But when I was meeting with Pastor Hunter about this, uh, something that was really interesting is living water in this situation is actually not a river. But when it uses living water here, it's talking about something called an artesian well. How about you say that? Artesian well. And so I'm from uh, New Mexico. I'm from the desert. So I already didn't know what that was because it had to do with water. And I was like, oh, what's that? You know, wow, how cool. But an artesian well is something really cool because an artesian well, you know, is basically a well that is dug so deep into the ground that it actually penetrates and accesses the water table. And, you know, if you know, water table is where under like the underground water originates from, you know, that's where it's all held. And but some wells, if they're not dug deep enough, you know, you can access water. But at some point, the water will run out because it's not plugged into the source. It it, it doesn't access that. So when Jesus is saying, "You, you can come to me if you're thirsty, you can come and drink in rivers of living water. He was saying you can come and by the spirit, you'll have access to a well that will never run dry. You'll have access to a well that will constantly replenish you. You'll have access to my spirit without measure, without end, endlessly. You never have to run dry. You never have to be without or be lacking my spirit. It never runs dry. And, and I read this, and I, looked at, and I looked at that living water promise you know, that we don't have to ever be thirsty. And I was like, well, God, that's a fantastic promise. And every promise of God is a yes and an amen through Christ Jesus. I mean, his promises are unfailing. He is faithful to every promise that he has. But it wasn't a reality in my life. What was the issue? Why wasn't I living accessing that artesian well? And you know, if we are constantly just doing stuff for God, but not refilling our tank daily, we will eventually run dry. But guys, this is the type of access that we have. We have access to that well without measure. But how many of us know that that's not really a reality that some of us live right now? And it wasn't for me. And as I mentioned, you know, this is a, just a little bit about uh, my story and how this relates. You know, uh, some of you know that I, I finished graduate school in May of this year. So I, oh, thank you. But <laughs> so I, I did a, a, a master's in business from Kennesaw. And, um, you know, it was, a, it was a 20-month program. And it was uh, basically like a part-time MBA. You had to be working full-time in order to qualify for this program. And uh, it started fall 2017, and I just finished May 2019, so it was, you know, fall 2017, uh, spring 18, summer 18, fall 18, spring 19. And, um, and I don't share this, so you're like, oh, wow, Caleb was so busy. Like, how cool is he? Like, not at all. That was kind of the issue that I'm going to get to. Um, but I just, I share this so you understand my frame of mind, you understand what I was coming out of as God began to minister to me through this. Um, but, you know, my wife and I, we both work full time, which is a good, you know, 40 hours a week, 45, 50 you know, on a bad week. But um, on top of that, you know, we both play in worship. Uh, she was leading the leadership ministry lead course. I was doing start course and the follow up course. And we both led in a small group, an e-group, and we were discipling people. So that's a good 20, 25 hours of ministry a week. But to tack on for 20 months an extra like 20 hours of schoolwork. You know, it was kind of dumb on my part, you know, but um, 
it, it, God taught me a lot. He stretched me. It, I had to learn how to manage my time. I mean, there were some tremendous benefits from this that, uh, that the Lord did. Um, but I have to tell you, it was hard. And uh, RJ uh, shared an, a really amazing word just like a month or so ago on monuments. And he was very vulnerable with us. If you remember, I mean, that was an incredible word. Uh, he was very vulnerable with us about, you know, how, like, sometimes you see us on stage or you see us, you know, leading. And it's like, oh, like, they must not have problems like I do. It's not the case, y'all. Like, pray for your pastors. Pray for your leaders because it's not always easy. And, um, and so we, for 20 months, we're going through this. And I know Bree had to sacrifice a lot uh, for me to do this. It sounds silly, but, you know, Sundays after church, all the homies go out to eat. Everyone goes out to, to hang out. Sorry, for 20 months, I can't do that. I have to go home and do like 8 to 10 hours of homework Sunday nights and, and Thursday nights. And so we had to sacrifice a lot. And it was very tiring. You know, but we managed to, to you know, read our Bibles, to continue in prayer, to stay, you know, connected to the Lord and doing those things and serving in ministry. We didn't just step out of all of those things. And so as my program was coming to an end, I was like, well, flip, man. Like, I'm about to have 20 hours of my week back. Like, what can we do? It's like, all right, Pastor Hunter, you know, like, let me do something extra. Give me something else. Like, or maybe we start a business or what kind of cool things can I do with this extra, like, 20 hours a week? And I was super, super excited. I was, and I was asking the Lord the last, like, month and a half. I was like, okay, God, what am I going to do after my MBA? What's going to happen? And y'all, like... The Holy Spirit has to speak kind of sternly to me because he was telling me, like, Caleb, stop asking. Like, you don't know what's going to happen. Stop asking. And I was like, oh, what's going to happen? And one morning I'm driving to work and I'm like, Holy Spirit, what's going to happen? What am I going to do? And he was like, Caleb, don't ask me again until you graduate. Like, shut up. Stop asking me. (laughs) He told me, shut up, you know. So if that offends you, I'm sorry. The Holy Spirit literally told me to shut up. (laughs) And I was like, oh, yikes. Fear of the Lord. Help me, Jesus. (laughs) And, And so I had all these grand plans. And about a week after I graduated, it was like I ran into a brick wall. And uh, I, I, I came to this place where I was like, man, I'm, I'm flipping tired. Like, I'm really tired. Like, you know, playing on worship. I remember the time when I first started playing in worship. And I, and I was so excited every set to play because it was like, man, I've played drum set for years. But how amazing is it that I can play drum set and, and like I've always done, but I could tell you the moment the tangible presence of God would walk into the room, that people would be healed. And I would look forward to it every set. Like, man, is it going to be this song? Is it going to be this refrain? Is it going to be this uh, bridge? When, Holy Spirit, what's the moment you're going to walk in and wreck people's lives like you wrecked mine? But I recognized after you know, 20 months of, of playing, getting better, playing better, getting more technical, I lost that sensitivity. I couldn't tell you when the Holy Spirit would come in. Pastor Hunter or one of the pastors would come up and be like, can you feel the tangible presence of God? And amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I I, I couldn't tell you the the sensitivity of my heart had gone down. I had had lost the real reason for for doing worship. And, And so a week after, all of this hits me. And I'm like, man, I'm so dry. And you know, there, there's times where we're like, oh, I'm dry. Like, or we're, there's times where we're like, God, I'm full of you, but I'm desperate for more. Like, we need revival, God. This was one of those, God, I am bone dry. I've got none of you. Help me or I'm not in a good place. Like, I have backslidden in my heart, Jesus. How did I even get here? Like, how did this happen? You know, I'm, I'm leading. I'm doing all of these different things. And, and here I am, like, just bone dry in my relationship with you. And I... 
you know, different conversations with the pastors, I had realized even in meetings, you know, like when you're not connected to Jesus, when you're not connected to the Holy Spirit, you know, he's the originator of the fruits of the Spirit, you know? I mean, I had become mean-spirited. There's times where I had been harsh to people in meetings, and I was completely oblivious. And then like a week afterwards, it hits me in the face, and I'm like, holy crap. You know, I don't even look or talk like Jesus does right now. Like, what's wrong with me, God? Like, how did this happen? I've lost the sweetness of his character. And so I began to just mull over this and ask the Holy Spirit, like, Lord, what's happening? And, um, like, how did I get to this place? We have this promise to access a well of living water. Artesian well that never runs dry. The spirit without end. But it was not my reality. My well was dead dry. And I want to I show you in, uh, in Genesis a story. It's really interesting. Because in this story, we actually can see uh, the reality that I was in. And maybe some of you are in there today. Um, and to preface this, in Genesis 26, uh, Abraham, Father Abraham, had many sons. Many sons have Father Abraham. And so Abraham had died, and his son Isaac, the son of the promise, Isaac was kind of the main focus of the story now. This was all about Isaac's dealio. Genesis 26. So the Philistines filled up all of Isaac's wells with dirt. These were the wells that had been dug by the servants of his father, Abraham. And so, you know, uh, Isaac had a bunch of sheep. He, he was a shepherd. He had a lot of livestock and everything. And so he would, like, they dug these wells so that his livestock could, could drink. And, but uh, the Philistines had filled them in. And finally, Abimelech, the king in the area that Isaac was living, ordered Isaac to leave the country. Go somewhere else, he said, for you have become too powerful for us. So Isaac moved away to the Jarrah Valley, where he set up their tents and settled down. Verse 18, I want you to see this. He reopened the wells his father had dug, which the Philistines had filled in after Abraham's death. Isaac also restored the names Abraham had given them. When you see that again, verse 18, he reopened the wells his father had dug, which the Philistines had filled in after Abraham's death, and he restored the names. So there's two things that I get from this story, um, and it really, it, it speaks a lot to the situation of our well. Like, you remember I was talking about the artesian well, and First thing I see here is that, you know, these Philistines came and the wells, it didn't say that the wells were dry, you know, maybe they were artesian wells, maybe they were constantly replenished, but it said that they were filled in, you know, and so at that time in my life, I, you know, time in my life, like a month ago, <laughs> but like, it was, I was like, oh, well, I'm dry, but the reality was that God had promised living water. He had promised me uh, access to a well that never run dry, so it wasn't that my well was dry as much as it is my well was filled in. I couldn't access the water. The water was there, but I couldn't get to it. I couldn't plug into the, the source. Some Philistines or some enemies had filled in my well, and the question I want to ask you in Counter Church today what Philistines have filled in your well? Maybe you're dry like I was feeling. Maybe you're like, well, I'm serving God. I'm doing all these things. But, but where's the life? Where is that artesian well? You know, like I'm doing all of these things, but I'm not feeling it anymore. What Philistines have filled in your well? And the two, the two big ones the Holy Spirit told me, the first one was me 120%. It was busyness. Busyness can be a Philistine that fills in your well. Some of us, you know, like me, uh, at this conference, they actually talked about, like, as leaders, we need to, like, what, lie down in green pastures. You know, God makes us to lie down in Psalms that says that. Um, 
I am chronically overextended. I, I actually feel guilty if there's some time for me to lie down. I, I like to add on too much to do. And, you know, part of it, we'll get to it in a second, it's a misplaced identity. Because if I know my identity, then my identity isn't how much I'm serving or how much people need me as much as it is whose I am. Um, but busyness can be a Philistine or an enemy that fills in our well. Some of us are doing too much that we don't even have time to access the source. We don't have time to go to that, that artesian well and get life every day. We don't have time to plug into the, the power of the Holy Spirit. So we're constantly doing things. And some of us are doing this in ministry like I was. You're doing so much for God, but there's no life. And, you, and we wonder why we're, we're burnt out and we're tired. We're not plugged into the source. We're too busy. A Philistine of busyness has filled in our well. And another one that was really interesting and, and also convicting for me was money. The love of money. I thought about this. Like, you know, uh, Bree and I were, were expecting our baby in, in December now. And, um, and so I've begun finally, like, it never even really occurred to me before. But now in this situation, I'm beginning to think, like, about money, you know? <laughs> Like about, about being a provider, about, you know, am I going to make enough to provide now, not just for us, but for a baby? You know, how can I, how can I get the money to do all of these things? But then the Holy Spirit came to me and said, Caleb, caution, caution, because sometimes we use the guys, especially of men, you know, hear this with love in my heart. Holy Spirit convicted me first of this, but sometimes under the guise of providing for my family, some men fall into the worship and the love of money. Because it's like, oh, well, you know, God, like they come and they have a powerful encounter with God and the family is encountering Jesus. But slowly by little by little, month by month, the guys stop showing up to church. They stop going to prayer. They stop reading their Bible. Oh, well, I need to provide for my family. No, you're worshiping money because the Bible says that he is Jehovah Jireh. He is our source. He is our provider. Holy Spirit said, Caleb, caution. Don't be so consumed with how you're going to provide for your family that you forget that I am the provider of your family. Your job does not supply your needs. I gave you the job to supply your needs. He began to say, Caleb, caution. Don't worship money. And some of us, you know, I, I felt also that there are some people that might be exploring some business opportunities or ministry opportunities. And it's like, well, it's an opportunity. You know, like we get all spiritual, like every good and perfect thing comes from the Father of lights. So this opportunity must be from God. Caution. Not every opportunity is from God. You know, and sometimes it's like, oh, but I can do so many good things. Yes, you can, but you might kill yourself in the process. You might wind up at the pearly gates and Jesus says, depart from me. I never knew you. But Lord, I prophesied in your name. I started a nonprofit 501c3 in your name. Like, don't you know, I shared on Instagram that I loved you so much every day. He says, I didn't know you. Not every opportunity is from God. We need to assess our opportunities. We need to assess what we're doing. Does it actually allow me to plug into the source? Or are you going to be like I was so overextended? that I wasn't connected to Jesus. What Philistines have filled in your well? And those, that's not an all-inclusive uh, all list. That's just two. I just didn't have time because I can talk forever. There's so many. But maybe ask the Holy Spirit today, Holy Spirit, if I'm not feeling connected to you, has something filled in my well? Like, is the well of my heart plugged up or stopped up? What's wrong, Holy Spirit? And he'll tell you. Oh, boy, he'll tell you. 
And the second thing I found really cool, and literally I added this in last night as, as I was preparing, but it blew my mind where it says, he reopened the wells his father had dug, you know, uh, the Philistines had filled it in, he reopened those wells. But it also says Isaac restored the names Abraham had given them. And I was kind of looking at that and I was like, well, God, I know that your word has a reason, but like, I'm not seeing it, man. Like, you know, I, I don't name the, the, like the water fountain in my fridge. You know, I do not have name like the water source, Caleb Jr. You know, like there's no name for it. It's just, it's just where I get water. You know, that's what it is. I was like, why did he name them? But then like, I was like, Holy Spirit, what does that mean? And he reminded me names in the Bible represent identity. You know, it, it talked about Jacob, and Jacob literally meant deceiver. And, and that's why, you know, Jacob deceived Esau, his brother, for the birthright. He deceived the dad, you know, for the, the blessing for the firstborn. He was, that was his identity. He was a deceiver. And then, and then the Lord appears to him and says, your name is no longer Jacob, deceiver. Your name is Israel. He changed his name because through an encounter with God, he was changing his identity. And y'all... When we allow the Philistines to fill in the well, when we allow the Philistines to keep us from accessing the source of life, we begin to lose access to our true identity. And our true identity is what? Sons and daughters of God, right? I mean, that's, that's what we're promised. We are adopted into his house. The spirit gives us a spirit that can cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy. We can know him intimately. But when we're not plugged into the source, when our, the well of our heart is filled up, We lose access to our true identity. And man, oh man, Holy Ghost hit me on this one. You know, there's so many different false identities that we adopt because we were made to have identity, period. You have an identity, period. I have an identity, period. Um, But no matter what it is, like if we're not accessing the source, then it's going to be a misplaced identity. And some of it, you know, I felt like some people it might be, um, maybe you feel unlovable. Maybe you've taken on the, the identity of rejection. I'm unwanted. Maybe you've taken on the identity of I'm good for nothing. Or you've taken on the identity of, you know, and through that comparison comes in, well, I'm not, I can't sing like RJ or Liz or, or Bree, you know, so like I'm not good enough. And so we get trapped in all these messed up places. And it's like, well, God, I had my encounter retreat like 10 months ago. How did I even get to this place again, you know? And a big one also that I, I felt like the Holy Spirit was uh, wanting me to bring up, and he convicted me of it. And uh, here, again, hear my heart on this. Um, sometimes we use ministry as a, as a cloak for a false identity. And I've heard it, and I've done it. I, oh, my God, I've done it for years, man. Like, when our identity isn't plugged into the source, you know, I've, I've heard people, it's like, well, you know, I'm a pastor. That is my, and they place their identity in that. And so it's like, oh, well, somebody's being elevated. And it's like, no, get out of here, man. This is my spot. I'm the pastor. Because if I'm not a pastor, then what am I? Or if I'm not a worship leader, if somebody else is elevated, then it irks you. Because it's like, oh, well, I'm the worship leader. That's who I am. No. First and foremost, we are sons and daughters. And so sometimes we use ministry as a cloak for insecurity and false identity. Because it's like, oh, well, I'm the anointed one of God. You very well might be. But first and foremost, you better be a son or a daughter. Because if we're anything else, then our identity is misplaced. That's shaky ground, friends. That's not ground that you can stand on because when the test of time comes, you know, I've had it happen where my identity was placed in the things I was doing. And it was years and years and years ago, but I had done something stupid and I got pulled out of worship team for, for a couple of months. 
Something hit my life. A, a storm hit the house of my life and my house crumbled because my identity wasn't I'm a son. My identity was I'm a leader. Wow. Now, don't, don't get me wrong here. Like, if you're a leader, praise God. If you're a pastor, praise God. If you are anointed to be a worship leader, gosh, we can use another one. If you're anointed to be a drummer, talk to me, please. We need another one. Like, those are things that we do, but it goes to the heart of it here. That's why Isaac, when he redug the wells, he said, you know, I need to restore the identity of these things because it's been messed up. It's been twisted here. We need to, like, we need to go to the source so that we can redig the wells of our heart and reaccess our true identity. Does that make sense? Is this blessing you? Man, God hit me with that. And I was like, Jesus, I repent once again. I give my life. I'm at the cross again, Lord. What's wrong? So the question then is, how do I reopen or redig the wells? Isaac had a physical well to redig, but this is a spiritual well for us. How do I redig the well? How do I go back to the source? And when I asked the Holy Spirit, he told me, Caleb, it starts with humility. It starts with humility. Yeah. You know, humility acknowledges my need for God. It's only when I'm in a humble place that I can realize and I can come to grips with the reality that I need God. Right. And guys, for 20 months, I was in a place where I was like, you know, I've got God. I'm good. I'm a leader. I'm serving. You know, like I'm fine. It wasn't until the Holy Ghost finally, like, he finally slowed me down enough to hit me in the face kindly and say, Caleb, you need me. Because if I don't access the, the, the wellspring of life, if I'm not plugged in to the source, I have no power. I have no freedom. I can't heal the sick. If I don't have Holy Ghost, there's nothing I can do for you. I'm sorry. Like, I'm not a doctor nor inclined in any way in that way. You know, like, if I don't access him, I have nothing to offer. But it takes humility to realize, you know what, God? I need you. More than anything, I need you. Humility also requires repentance. It doesn't suggest repentance. Humility requires repentance. And, you know, sometimes I think we look at repentance as I'm in sin and I need to get out of sin. But that's not repentance. Repentance, very simply put, is I'm doing one thing, but it might not be right, or I need to go turn around and go back to the other thing. You know, and so some of us are here, and it's like, well, Caleb, I'm not living in, you know, in blatant sin. You know, I'm, I'm pursuing God. I just don't feel that close to him. That's okay. Repent. Go back to what you did at first. And, and we're going to read a story here in Revelation that really paints a vivid picture of this. Revelation 2. And Jesus has appeared to John, the Apostle John, on the island of Patmos. And, he's, and we pick it up in, in chapter 2. It says, write this letter to the angel of the church in Ephesus. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand. The one who walks among the seven gold lampstands. I know all the things you do. Didn't we just come out of the Fear of the Lord series? So either that scares you a lot or that encourages you a lot. It says, I know all the things you do. I have seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not. You have discovered they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. What's he doing here, guys? He's patting him on the back. He's like, Ephesians, you've done a lot of good things. I've seen it. I see you. 
You know, like the father is encouraging them. He's like, you know what? You've been working hard and I see it. And I felt like in my spirit for Encounter Church, Encounter Church, and all of you that serve on the E-Force, I want to honor you. And, the, and God sees you. He sees all the work that you do. He sees you're your, your pouring your life out. He sees your sacrifice for time and money. And, you know, you could be spending time with your family instead. And God sees it. He says, I see all that you do. You're doing good things. But, yikes. I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Help us, Jesus. Turn back to me. What, in other words, repent. Do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. The Ephesians were doing good things, guys. They were serving well in ministry. They were doing all these things with excellence, you know. And, but God said, but, you know, that is all good and well. But you need to repent because you don't love me like you used to love me. And this is what the Holy Spirit came and he told me, he said, Caleb, you, you need to repent. You don't love me like you used to love me. You don't love your brothers and sisters like you used to love them. You don't, I mean, you don't love the world. How could I love the world if the love of God wasn't in me? You know, how could I love people if that wasn't the case? And one thing also um, that I saw in this, and I've heard it a lot recently, and I just want to encourage you guys in this, you know, like, I've, I've heard some people saying at different times, and maybe I've even said it myself, I don't know, that like, it's like, well, I'm serving and, you know, I had a powerful encounter with God and I've been serving for six months, but I'm, I'm tired now. I don't feel connected to God. So I'm going to stop serving in all my capacities and I'm going to focus only on reconnecting with the Lord. And I want to I humbly suggest to you that Ephesians says, like Revelation, the, the letter to the Ephesians says otherwise. He didn't say you're doing all this good stuff, but stop it and read your Bible and pray all day. He didn't say stop all the good works that you're doing and focus only on praying in tongues 24 hours a day. No, 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 no. He says you're doing great work, but you've missed the key ingredient. You've missed the very first priority. You've missed me in all of the work you're doing. So I want to suggest to you the issue isn't your serving. The issue is connecting to the source. The issue isn't I'm doing so much that I can't do it anymore as much as it is, Jesus, you need to be the Lord of my life again. I need to remove and read. Take these things out of my well so I can plug into the source. The Ephesians were doing good stuff for God, but they fell out of love with God. That was me. And I think that there's some of you here today that you can agree that that might be where you're at right now. You know what? Like I, I had a powerful encounter with God, but it doesn't feel that real anymore. Guys, it's not because God's not real. It's not because God's still not there. It's not, it's not because his promise that we would have an artesian well of access to his spirit is false. We have to redig the wells. Yep. Yep. We need to go back to the source. If the worship team could come up here. Sarah and Yvonne. So in conclusion, guys, the way back to the source is to reopen the well by humbly recognizing my need for God and repenting. To turn back and towards him and acknowledge him as the source of my life. Yeah. And you guys, we have an amazing promise. Like God is so good. 
Because we can boldly approach him when we're washed in the blood of Jesus. You know, we don't have to come with with fear and trembling that God's going to smite us because we've backslidden some in our hearts. We can boldly approach him. That's why the Bible says you can boldly approach the throne when you're washed in the blood of Jesus. So today, we can come and receive grace. We can come and receive rest. Some of you, moms in particular, you need rest. Parents, you need rest. And that's a promise of God. We can boldly approach him and receive rest. Maybe you need peace today. Your life is in turmoil. You can come boldly and through a repentant heart, redig the well of your heart and access the spirit which will give you peace that passes understanding. Maybe you're in a depressed place and you need joy again. Come with a repentant heart and allow the spirit to renew your joy. His river never runs dry. Maybe you've said, I'm in a dry season. I want to uh, submit to you that there is no such thing as a dry season. Why would God send you away from his presence? He doesn't do that. The issue isn't that God doesn't want to be around you. The issue is that we're not pressing into him. Maybe something is blocking your well like it was blocking mine. And guys, God is so good. We don't have to feel bad. The devil comes to condemn you. He says, you haven't been in the presence of God. You're not good enough. No, that's not true. You are still a son. You are still a daughter. We are still God's children. And he paid the price so that we could come into his presence and be with him. He wants you with him. Remember, when we seek him, we sometimes find him. No. When we seek him, we find him in a corporate service worship setting. No. When we seek him, we will find him. It's a promise. That is a a promise from God. And he is not a man that he would tell us a lie. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same God that that came and touched you in the midst of your sin, that revealed the cross to me. The same Jesus that did that is the same Jesus today with arms wide open as I run back to him. He's not there mad like, oh, well, you haven't connected with me, leader or pastor or or servant of God. You haven't connected in a month. You need to go into the timeout zone for a while till you learn your mistake. No! The father was watching for the prodigal son to come running home. He said, you stink like pigs. You've squandered your money on prostitutes. You basically told me you wished I was dead. But I love you, boy. I want you, boy. Daughter. That's the heart of God. Matthew eleven twenty eight. It's a promise. Then Jesus said, come to me. All of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. And I will give you rest. can stand to your feet. Hebrews 4.16 So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive His mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. And Deuteronomy 4.29 But from there encounter church you will search again for the Lord your God and if you search for Him with all of your heart and soul 
you will find him. God came and said, Caleb, you need to go back to the source. Don't stop serving, but come back to me. Don't just read your Bible because there's a checklist on your YouVersion app. Read your Bible because it points to me. That's why Jesus rebuked the Pharisees. He said, you read the scriptures because you think they give you life. But the scriptures point to me. The scriptures testify to me. So come to me. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really believe God spoke to you through his word today and is moving in your life. If you'd like more information about Encounter Church or you'd like to give your tithes and offerings, you can visit our website at EncounterChurchAtlanta.org. I'd also like to invite you to share this message on social media. Thanks again.